on ktalk.co.za, on the app, on DSTV Channel 885, and across the city on 567 AM. From easy conversations to some relatively hard ones with our EWN reporter Kevin Brandt who joins you on Sunday mornings to keep you up to date with what's happening in your country. Kev, good morning. How's it going today? I'm doing very well in yourself, Abs. I'm, I'm doing absolutely well. You know, uh, not, of course, highlighting some of the terrible news that we as a country have had to deal with yesterday. I can only imagine how the families are doing out there. But yeah, um, Kev, we start with the past week. Uh, yesterday, we had a conversation with the listeners about President Soro Maposa. You know, there's... Um, <laughs> the, you know, first you talk about the African mining endeavor that started on Monday, Kev. And then there's also, uh, you know, you've had of government's plans on Thursday for the country where President Soro Maposa in the State of the Nation address, putting it clear that there will be some interesting ministers perhaps uh, coming to the fold. But what's your summary on these stories? Yes, as we've had a very, uh, this past week, there's been a lot of discussion with regard to, in particular, how to get South Africa out of the energy crisis that we currently find ourselves in. And obviously, because of the ripple effect of load shedding and its continuation, what it means for the economy, for job creation, also efforts to grow the economy. So since Monday at the mining in Daba already, we've heard from experts, the president himself was there, the Mineral and Resources Minister, Gwede Mantashe, was there. We've heard from outgoing ESCOM CEO, Andre De Reiter, who said that this, the rest of the year is still going to be very difficult and tough in terms of load shedding. It's only a year from 2024 that we will begin to see a reduction in the intensity of load shedding. We've also then on Thursday heard from the president a bit more detail with regard to what government plans to do under this national state of disaster, as you've mentioned, also in particular, the Minister of Electricity that obviously generated a lot of uh, jokes and, uh, on, on social media with regard to who this person will be in a lot of memes also on the back of that. Um, the, the, so today and for the rest of the week, I suppose, until we have more clear detail from government, we will hear um, what exactly will play out under this national state of disaster. Um, the, the president mentioned that there'll be support for business in food and production. There'll also be, uh, as well as in storage and retail, he also spoke about the rollout of generators, solar panels, as well as integrated power supply. Um, just to come back to your introduction with regard to jobs, which I found very interesting and subjects um, learners choose at school. I've also seen that this is obviously now a very opportune um, platform, the renewable energy sector for um, youngsters and for learners and for students to venture into it. This is obviously a market, not only for us here in South Africa, but mm. also for other countries who would want to become, um, you know, less carbon intensive and already slightly more developed uh, in this in this sector. But also, um, yeah, as I said, it, it, it opens up a lot of job opportunities in itself. Um, analysts say the president, you know, it varies from he was very detailed to not enough information. Um, so we'll hear from government exactly what will play out under this national state of disaster, which um, um, departments and entities will directly benefit from from this. And, uh, 
in October last year, I believe that the city of Cape Town introduced uh, the highway patrol and I've been seeing their lovely cars on the N1, on the N2. They're quite imposing cars, but, um, you know, uh, what's the latest around that? I've had the opportunity to, uh, in December, just before the holidays drive, will be taken on a bit of a drive on one of these vehicles on, on the freeways here in the city. And it's interesting to see how people's driving behavior change as soon as they spot this highway patrol vehicle. <laughs> um, yeah. Listen, I probably do the same. My, my behavior changes. If, if I see a traffic <laughs> officer there, I sit up straight. Uh, I look. I don't know why I do that. Because it's not like I was doing anything you, wrong before. You, you, you're in business. Yeah, you know, no. You, your speed yeah. is in check. <laughs> you're, you're, you indicate. You do everything. Things that we're supposed to do in any case. But yeah, the officers also find it very funny that they see it. They say as soon as they see a car driving very fast from a distance and they approach, they can see how that driver pulls back and immediately, you know, uh, comes come within the confines of the law. You, you see, Kev, I can tell you right now, you'll be driving in a hundred and twenty mile uh, uh, kilometers per hour zone, right? And you're driving at the normal at the right speed limit, but as soon as there's a traffic officer that comes right behind you, I don't know. There's yes. something that just says, maybe take it down to a hundred. You just, even slow it just, down. Just, <laughs> just, to, just to be safe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so I'm just asking for a friend here, Kev. Uh, um, how how does one get to have that opportunity to ride along? I'm just asking uh, for a friend, for a we, friend. We reported on the story as as part of the they they were launched in November. Um, I reported on the story as part of their festive season readiness for the roads to see how this new unit. It's the first December holiday period that this unit formed part of the of the city and the provinces. Um, traffic operations so I arranged that through the city of Cape Town and they then uh, arranged that I go with JP Smith on a ride along um, on the N2 and a bit on the N1 and one of the um, arterial roads here within the suburbs so basically what you're saying is I chose the wrong career path. I should have been a reporter. No, no, not really. If you've just joined us in conversation, uh, this is EWN's Kevin Brandt who joins you to give you the latest on what's been happening in the past week. Talking to the likes of President Sol Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address is also touched on the fact that to you this week uh, we have the Africa Mining in Daba. You can correct me when I'm wrong, uh, Kev, over there. But also talking to the fact that the city of Cape Town has introduced the highway patrol unit and it seems to be a uh, success so far. It, it is. It has been a success. Correct, Kev? Definitely so. They, they gave very impressive statistics um, saying that over the past three months in operation, they've arrested more than 300 drivers for driving under the influence of alcohol. There were 25 reckless and negligent driving arrests. And a statistic that really stand out for me, Abs, is that of the number of cell phones impo- impounded, uh, eight short of a thousand since this unit was launched um, in early November. And if my mathematics doesn't fail me, it comes to about 330 on average cell phones per month that they've confiscated. And that's obviously drivers using their cell phone while they're driving. Um, since its inception and then this these vehicles also features very cool technology um, in the form of dash cams with automated number plate recognition where they can see Abungile still has five outstanding warrants of arrest 
and or he's driving with a vehicle with a duplicate or a cloned vehicle number plate. And they can then act on that. But besides the law enforcement and traffic enforcement part, they also help people you know, stuck next to the side of the road, particularly at nighttime. One would want to know that when you're driving, in particular at night, that there's you know, this level of stillness within the city. Now, I've, 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 ran out, I've, I've told the listeners before that uh, once, I think it was last year, I ran out of fuel on the N1 uh, outgoing, and I really had a, a sub, very supportive traffic official uh, that came to stand behind me while I had to wait for um, the petrol to be delivered and all of that. But okay, Kev, as we... Guys. Yeah, very nice, good guys. Um, keeping us in check, they also help us. Look, it's just the uniform. It's intimidating. And of course, <laughs> there's this thing that they do when they get out of the car. You know when they, when they pull up their belts... With with all the equipment, and then they they Yummy. yeah they push out their chest, and you get I can almost hear them going yeah near as a muy dark but the thing is, they always start with this loose introduction to what the offense offense is, you know. This yeah. Thing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, Kev, we have to touch on the very sad news that the country woke up to yesterday. Yes, absent, and that is um, obviously the killing of. Award-winning South African rapper, a.k.a. Kiernan uh, Forbes. He was shot, as well as his friend, Tabelo Tibbs Motswane, and a chef. And that is in the area of Morningside in Durban. It's described as a very bustling and a very vibey part of the city. Um, we've seen how, uh, you know, supporters and, and prominent people came out to also share their shock um, and their heartache with regard to the incident, also because it was so unexpected. And there's also been a very short video clip that I've seen on social media apps that shows the very last few seconds of his and it actually shows how the gun gunman comes up to him very close range and shoots him from behind and how he collapses. Now, the police have launched a manhunt for the two gunmen who, according to the detectives, um, as I've said, walked up to them and then, um, and then they fled the scene. Yes, police spokesperson Robert Chunda from uh, the from KZN that has a bit more about the operations. Both victims were declared dead at the scene. The motive of the shooting is unknown at this stage and police investigations are ongoing. Police are pleading with anyone who may have information which can assist in the investigation and lead to the apprehension of the suspects to contact the nearest police or call our crime stop number. Yeah, Kev. Truly sad, and I think Abs it also opens up. Besides this very tragic incident of late Friday evening, it opens up the issue of crime in general in South Africa. The easy access that criminals have to illicit guns, what government is doing about it, um, and where does it leave the citizen who basically um, really don't have any defence against such operations? I was thinking to myself now, where where is our minister, police minister? Uh, uh, well, where he is at the current moment, because this is usually his scene. And I think, you know, when, when, when we were chatting with a friend of mine yesterday, we could easily map up what he's going to do if he shows up there. Because first yeah, of all, yeah, he's got, you know, yeah, over, over. He'll, he'll come with his entourage 
Of course, they'll walk the street and there'll be quite a lot of media hoo-ha. He will then get on a podium and he will promise Durban and the whole country that he will not rest or the police force will not rest until these criminals are apprehended. What will then happen after that is one or two individuals that maybe have nothing to do with the case will be arrested and paraded in front of the media. And... Once that's done, we'll have another murder in South Africa. We forget about that one and we move on. Did I maybe summarize that correct? I think. I don't know. It's just my thoughts. It's just my thoughts. Definitely, as in it also shows the, you know, puts that question is what level of intelligence gathering do we have? How can we go um, and, and, and investigate um, prowess that do our detectives to then be able to follow up and be able to pin down the exact gunmen and to be able to arrest them. Will that even happen? As we've seen in the past, because this is a very similar case in that, and that yeah, but the killing of Charles Kinnear, the detective here in Bishop Lavers, very mm. similar style where a gunman walked up, he was in his car, shot him through the window, ran away. We, st- we still don't know who that person is. We talk of Senzo Meiwa. Promises, promises. We're still Definitely here. So. How many years later? I... <laughs> Yeah, Kev, I think we're talking over each other here. Kev, uh, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. But before I let you go, maybe maybe, is there anything else from your side that you'd like us to know? Just very shortly, um, it's with regard to the earthquake that hit Syria and Turkey earlier this week. Very tragic, Abs. There's just um, the International Federation of the Red Cross that says that the affected area is the size of France. And it also, um, interestingly, bring into question, and I've seen some scientists talk about the predictability of such um, earthquakes. Where does it, where is science that it, it is not able to detect specifically with regard to a place, a time and, uh, and the intensity of, of such an earthquake. And I've seen, um, you know, some scientists question what role science can make play in future, if any, to be able to at least detect before the time um, when when such an earthquake earthquake is set to strike. The world that we're living in, crime, earthquakes, it's like it's all coming in from every side. But nonetheless, we continue to live on. Kevin Brunt, thank you so very much for joining us in conversation. Have a lovely day further, sir. Fantastic day, Abs. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. EWN reporter Kevin Brunt joining you, giving you the latest coming out of the country. Follow Cape Talk on Twitter. At Cape Talk. And if you are on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find Katie McDonald, eh? Katie, a very good morning. How are you? Uh, what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Listen, social media detox. So, yeah, don't be looking for me on Twitter at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort of, uh, yeah, better my men- mental health. Yeah. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've learned a long time ago. Twitter is not a, a space to play around in. Twitter, for me, is a yeah. space where I just sit and I watch. I don't, I don't say anything. I just sit and watch. Because when they come for you, mm-hmm. you're... Yes, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's just every now and then I get, and I know that I'm not alone um, in this, just so overwrought with or by, not with, but by some of the, yeah, the things that are put out there. And it's like, no, you know, life's stressful enough. You need to stress yourself more. So, mm, yeah, mm. I'm not going to go on because I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. <laughs>
Talking about stresses, Katie, we've seen quite uh, some concerning images in New Zealand where people are buying bags of sins in numbers because Cyclone Gabriel is heading for New Zealand. Yeah, she is indeed. In fact, she's already sort of started to hit and um, tropical cyclone Gabrielle. And um, yeah, she bypassed, well, not bypassed, she hit Norfolk Island. That's actually in Australian territory, north of New Zealand. They have had some, yeah, affected the island to some extent, but they've missed the worst of the winds, uh, thankfully. And now it's hitting New Zealand. And it's just, it, it's, Devastating. I mean, what can one say? Because they've also, uh, two weeks ago, they had those terrible floods and people are still not uh, back in their homes and uh, places are kind of, yeah, the roads are soggy, the whole area um, of that North Island is flood affected. So now they've got this, um, yeah, cyclone, well, ex-cyclone, because she has been downgraded, uh, moving towards the North Island. Uh, they've got emergency personnel and systems up. They're telling residents to get supplies for at least three days in case they become trapped at home. Sandbags, as you mentioned, they're being distributed uh, over certain areas. Evacuation shelters set up. And New Zealand's actually cancelled um, some of its domestic flights on, well, the from Monday, sorry, yeah, today's Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, so they're basically bracing themselves for what they call, you know, the trifecta of heavy rain, strong winds, storm surges. It's going to you know, affect electricity and other such things. So lots of thoughts uh, with those in New Zealand and just the hope that they can manage to limit the damage. But um, not a nice situation. Yeah, and and and, and I, I believe that, like many other countries, Australia has sent out, uh, you know, uh, some supportive structures or supporting or supportive individuals out to you know countries like Turkey. Well, exactly. So Australia sent aid or sending aid to Turkey and Syria. We've got quite a large Turkish population here. There are over three hundred thousand people of Turkish descent in Melbourne alone. Uh, Very sadly, there are two confirmed deaths and one that person still has to be identified of Australians in Turkey. There are quite a few Australians there that have been affected by it. But the Turkish community and Australians, but the Turkish community have come together. They've got volunteers. They're filling shipping containers with tents, blankets, sleeping bags. The Australian government is sending aid. I think they've said $10 million to both Turkey and Syria. That will be reassessed. They've also sent um, emergency crews, specialist firefighters and um, emergency personnel to help with the search and rescue and with the aftermath as well. So, yeah, these events, they do affect us across the world. It's very disheartening and it's also it's hard to watch the people here I'm sure you'd have a similar situation in South Africa who are just so concerned not just for the Turkish well they are for the Turkish and Syrian population as a whole but just waiting so desperately abs to hear uh, about friends and family that have been affected and 
I think the numbers, it's something like 23,000 confirmed dead in Turkey alone at the moment. So these horrific natural events, when I say natural events, natural disasters, Mm. um, they're really exerting their toll at the moment. A terrible thing to be reading about. Yeah, and, and I have to say it has been sort of, I don't want to say heartwarming, but it, it has been sort of hope-giving seeing nations, mm. countries, Australia, South Africa, China, Russia, sorry, not Russia, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's another country that I saw some images of, uh, you know, lending people yeah. in these countries and saying, you need a hand, we're here, let's, let's help you. We have to do that, Abs. You know, you can't ignore the fact that you know, we are global and you know, countries that are able to can help in these situations and they and they should. And it's just horrific. I can't even imagine what it is like to be there. Interestingly enough, um, one of the fathers who, uh, yeah, of, or my daughter teaches um, the child at the school, he's gone over. He's a specialist firefighter. So I've actually asked her, if I could just have a chat with him when he comes back. And I just, I take my hat off to these people. I have just unbelievable respect and admiration for these people that put themselves out there to go and help. Um, Yeah, those affected by things such as earthquakes and cyclones. And it it just, it sounds so apocalyptic. I, I almost can't get my head around it. Yeah, no. And uh, maybe to another completely, yeah, to a, a whole completely different direction here. We we, we talk about uh, a hot cross bun debate. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Yes, I, I have to share that. Look, it's completely light and, yeah, the other end of the spectrum. But I do know that these kind of um, debates, controversies, uh, happen in other countries as well. So it started when a couple of the supermarkets launched their hot cross buns or, you know, supplied them on Boxing Day. So, yeah, then people get furious. You know, what are you doing? It's Christmas. Uh, Christmas is hardly over. And you're already putting out you know, the hot cross buns. And now one of the big supermarket chains here has released what they're terming an extreme or as an extremely divisive flavor. And I have to say, I'm a bit of a purist with these things, Abs. I really am. Um, I love a hot cross bun, and I just want my hot cross bun to be a hot cross bun. But what they're releasing is one that has got special burger sauce and pieces of pickles on it. So Why? Just, you know, get your mind. Why? 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 Yes. Uh, Why reinvent the wheel? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean. <sighs> It sounds, uh, yeah, no, just get us the normal hot cross bun. Come on. Yeah, exactly. You know, life is complex enough as it is. I say we've got lots of stresses. Why do we need to, you know, you come home from the shop and you notice in your bag that you've picked up the wrong flavour. You're really craving your hot hot cross bun, and you've got one that's got special burger sauce and pickles on it. I'd be furious. (laughs) I can already see it. I can already see it. I can already feel uh, the anger bubbling up inside of me because I've already made mm-hmm. my cup of coffee and I was already ready mm-hmm. to just sink my teeth into that. And all of a sudden, uh, it's saucy. Yeah. It's very saucy. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> Katie, thank you so, so very much for joining us today. But before I let you go, once again, from your side, anything else that perhaps we should know about? 
No, look, you know, the other big um, headlining news is the cost of living here. Our interest rates have been going up uh, as of late, and they say that more than a quarter of Australian households are already in mortgage stress. So that's quite concerning. There's been a lot of um, yeah, criticism of the Reserve Bank Governor over that, uh, but then there are those of us that feel he's just doing his job. He has to curb inflation because inflation is you know, on the increase. So locally, there's a lot of concern, as I mentioned, over the cost of living, people that are struggling to pay their mortgages. And in the state of New South Wales, we've got an election coming up. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts upon um, yeah, the current, well, the sitting party and who comes in. And then the other thing is that our Prime Minister, who's proved to be a bit of a man of firsts in many ways, he's going to be marching with um, the people uh, for gay pride. So he's going to be out there. Uh, he's, he's quite a man of the community. So, yeah, they're the, big, the other big sort of local stories mm. out here. Yeah, and no, similar to us here with the interest rates, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It really is. Katie, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. Have a wonderful day further. Katie McDonald, uh, all the way out from Sydney, Australia, taking us to 21 minutes before we get to 8 o'clock.